Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. So what is actually a pretty good question to ask. Sure, sometimes that question can be asked in somewhat of a irreverent way, but when it is genuine, it is a good question. There are probably lots of things that you hear in this world that you should say, okay, so what? What difference does this information make in my life? And that's a good question to ask when you come to the Bible, because there will be good answers to that question when you are dealing with the Bible, because all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable. Or another way that word could be translated there in Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it's useful. God's word is useful in teaching us how to think and how to live. And so it's very good for us to ask, so what? And that's the moment that we arrive at here at a pivot point in the book of Ephesians at the beginning of chapter 4. In chapters 1 through 3, Paul has been going off on the incredible riches that belong to those who are in Christ. From that glorious opening run-on sentence through him talking more about this mystery that has been revealed now, even this inclusion of the Gentiles, those that are in Christ by God's grace have access to the unfathomable wealth of Christ. We have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That all sounds good, right? So what? So what? What difference should that make in your life? And that's the answer that we are going to get as we begin chapter 4. And that really will be expanded on all the way throughout the rest of the book. Because the riches that you have in Christ, they should affect things like your marriage or your job. They should affect your actions. But I want you to note today how it starts. Where does Paul begin the answer to the so what question? And what I want you to note is the corporate aspect of his response. Paul does not begin with something individual, really, that just you do in isolation by yourself. He starts by highlighting your role in the body of Christ. And so in our society, where we talk a lot about your personal relationship with Jesus, there's an element of that which is good because, well, you need a personal relationship with Jesus. No one is grandfathered into the kingdom. You personally must be born again. You must have a saving knowledge of Christ, you as an individual. That that is important. But what we often do in our culture is we over-individualize the Christian life, where the Bible makes it clear, yes, you are adopted into God's family now as a Christian, but that means you are a part of a family. You are a part of a body, and that is so 
important. So as we think through, man, I'm so rich in Christ, but God, his grace, so what? It's going to start with you and the body, really you and the church. And really, this is just another reason why it is so foolish for Christians to think I can thrive as a Christian apart from the church. It is just not going to happen. And we're going to see some of that today in Ephesians 4. And there's really two things that I want you to think about that we'll see in the different sections of our text. Let's see then how Paul starts. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, again, highlighting his current status as a prisoner, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And that's where if you've been with us through chapters one through three, you should be thinking that's a pretty high calling. What is he going to say in response to this idea of walking in a manner worthy of of this incredible calling that we have? Well, verse two, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So he really starts by emphasizing unity, and he highlights some of the things that you're going to need to do, really some of the attitudes that you are going to need to have to preserve that unity. And what are they? Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. Well, if you back up and you just think, well, why is he highlighting all those things? You should start to get an idea. And again, some people, they, they think through things naively and they think through things really unbiblically. Because I think some people, they get saved or they go to church and they think everything here is going to be perfect. Now, church should be good. There should be so many healthy things about being a part of the body. But if you read a passage like this, you should be asking yourself, why is he saying we're going to need patience? Why is he saying we're going to need to bear with one another? Well, it should be cluing you into something. There's going to be problems. If you are a Christian, you need to be involved in the body. You need to be a part of the church. And really, the way we see that in the New Testament is by being part of a local church. Well, guess what? There's going to be problems in that church because that church is still full of sinners. Yes, people that are being sanctified should be people that are growing, but there still will be problems. Some of those problems will be sin issues as we're growing together. Some of those may even just be personality differences. There will be people that you sit next to in church that apart from your bond in Christ, there's just not much that would draw you to that person. So their interests may be different. Their personality may be different, but you out of love will bear with them because of the high calling that you have, because you are so rich in Christ. And I think that's an important connection to make. You should show up to church thinking more about what you can give than what you can get. And one thing that will help you think that way is when you show up to church, not thinking, I need, I need, I need. When you show up to church thinking, I am rich because I am in Christ. 
That's the way that we should think. And then he highlights more of why there should be unity. Well, because this number keeps coming up one, 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 one. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And there we get to this idea of really, remember, church ain't about you. It is about God. He is over all and through all and in all. The church is ultimately about him. And that's another reason why you should be eager to really promote unity. And then it starts getting into the idea of gifts, highlighting that Christ has given gifts to his people. After he descended, he ascended. And I think the descended here in this context is really referring to his incarnation. He descended to the earth and he was a part of this creation. And then he ascended back to heaven. And it's saying when he ascended, he gave gifts to men. And then in verse 11, it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. And what I want you to see in that verse is all of those things he lists there, I would argue are leadership positions in the church, some of which I don't even think are really in effect today. Namely, they're the apostles. I think the apostles have come and gone and with them, the apostles and prophets. If you go back to chapter two, verse 20, the church was built past tense on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. But we still see the evangelists that may be, think of a missionary or maybe a church planner starting something new. You see shepherds, that's really the word for pastors and teachers. And these are people that lead the church. Well, what do they do? Verse 12, they equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So I think he highlights the leaders, but then verse 12 gives you the idea, well, the leaders are training the people for the work of the ministry, and he doesn't give a list there because that list would be virtually endless. There are so many ways that people in the church will minister and will build up the body of Christ. So these things he highlights as the leaders, their job is to train the people, the saints, for the work of the ministry. Uh, So there we see a clear idea. Church is not really about just what the leaders are doing. It's about what the whole body is doing. And everyone has a role to play. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the goal of the the church even is to not just see people saved, as we think of Matthew 28, seeing new disciples. We want to see mature disciples. We want to see people uh, live to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And they're not tossed around by doctrine anymore. There is a stability there. And everyone has a role to play in that. Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Notice the inclusive words in those last few verses, the whole body, every joint, each part, right? That's what's going to make the body truly grow. So 
coming back to, okay, what are the two things I really want you to think about in response to this? And again, in response to what? Really the high calling that we've seen in chapters one through three. That's the high calling. What should you be doing? Well, first, you should be eagerly pursuing unity in the body. And I want you to think through, am I being patient with others? Am I being humble and gentle towards others? And even just honestly, am I ready to bear with others? Or am I just getting tired of others or annoyed by others? Or am I really out of love seeking to bear with people, people that are different from me, people who may be growing slower than I would want them to? I'm bearing with them because I love them. That's the first thing I want you to think. And then the second is, how are you actively building up others? By speaking the truth in love, who is looking more like Christ because of you? And that's, again, we, we come back to an idea we saw earlier in 1 Corinthians. If you are a Christian, you need other people and other people need you. So who looks more like Christ because of you? Because you are speaking the truth in love. You're building up others in love, maybe giving encouragement, maybe in some places giving correction. How are people looking more like Christ because of you? Those are challenges that you should feel today. Am I really pursuing unity with patience and humility? And am I actively building up others? you really understand how rich you are in Christ, that's the first place Paul goes with so what. And that's important for us to think about today. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.